I want to talk to you this morning about an encounter with God. An encounter with God. It's an old text. You've heard it hundreds of times. But I couldn't get away from it. Uh, it's not an old message. I prepared the message, but uh, I thought about other things, but I couldn't get away from this. Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6, an encounter with God. Wouldn't it be great this year during the mission conference if we could have an encounter with God, every one of us individually, have an encounter with, with God. Isaiah chapter 6, let's stand for the reading of God's word. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings, with twain he covered his face, with twain he covered his feet. And with twain, he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the people, in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongues from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And then said I, Here am I, Send me. And he said, Go and tell this people. Dear God, thank you that you're not far off. You're not untouchable. You're not unknowable. Thank you that you are a personal God and we can know you. Dear God, speak to our hearts this morning. And I pray that you'd use me for your honor and glory. I pray, dear God, that you'd continue to bless this place. I love West Coast Baptist College. Thank you, dear God, that all over this country and around the world, in the 25 years that graduates are everywhere doing your work, thank you for them. Now, Lord, bless the ones that are in this college now. 
And I pray that every one of them, once they leave this place, wherever you may put them, that they would be used for your honor and your glory. And Lord, we're going to praise you today for whatever you do, because uh, it'll not be anything we do. If anything of lasting value ever happens, it has to be you working. So work in our midst today, dear God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. An encounter with God. We find in the Bible many times that uh, people have an encounter with God. Uh, they just, many of them just going about their daily work, even as Isaiah was. He's going into the temple. And, uh, but he met God. He saw God that day. And, and everything changed. Uh, Moses had uh, been out in the wilderness, the desert, for some 40 years. And one day he saw a bush burning, and nothing unusual about that, except the bush just kept burning, 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 and it wasn't consumed. So he said, I better go see about this thing, you know. And he came near the bush, and when he did, God spoke to him. He said, uh, Wait, wait a minute, don't come any closer. Take off, your, take off your sandals, take off your shoes, Moses. Where you're standing is holy ground. Moses, when God spoke to him, he just simply said, he had an encounter with God. Here am I. Here am I. You know what it means? Reporting for duty. Whatever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to be, whatever you want me to say, whatever you want me to give, here am I. He had an encounter with God. Joshua had an encounter with God. Getting ready to attack the city of Jericho. And uh, he was saw a man with a drawn sword. And this, as it was in the bush, and as it is in the book of Isaiah in chapter 6, was the pre-incarnate Christ. The man with the drawn sword. And uh, Joshua said, are you for us or against us? And in essence, he said, I'm not for you or against you. I didn't come to take sides. I came to take over. Okay. Joshua had an encounter with God. And, uh, and when he did, he fell before the Lord and worshipped him. By the way, when we have an encounter with God, when we see him in his glory... It's going to make a difference in our life. I think in the seventh chapter of Luke, when a Pharisee by the name of Simon had invited Jesus to dinner, and Jesus had gone, and there was that very sinful woman, and she knew that Jesus was there, and she went in. I'm not sure how she got in the house, okay, but it doesn't make any difference. She got there. 
And when she saw Jesus, she fell before him and she kissed his feet. She wiped his feet with the hair of her head where tears had gone. She broke an alabaster box and poured it over his head. She had had an encounter with God. And it changed her completely. Let's look at Isaiah's encounter with God for just a moment. Look at verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, when did he have this encounter with God? Isaiah was a young man at this time. Now, he would serve under several kings, but the first king that he served under was Uzziah. And the Bible says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Uzziah was a good king, kind of unusual, okay? Uh, he began to reign when he was 16 years old, and he reigned until he was 68 years old. So he had about 52 years. He was a powerful king. He was a popular king. He was a godly king. Not sad to say, in his old age, he did some dumb things. My father-in-law used to say, there's no fool like an old fool, amen. <laughs> so uh, young people are not the only people that make foolish decisions. Sometimes old people do also. And he had taken the place of the priest and he was stricken with leprosy. Somebody said he was the first cousin of Isaiah. I don't know that. I'm just taking somebody's word, okay? But Isaiah had served under Uzziah, and Uzziah had been a powerful king, a, a popular king, a godly king, and now all of a sudden he's gone. You know, when things are going well, everything looks good. Sometimes we have a tendency not to see God the way we ought to. Kind of be self-reliant, you know. When I'm passing most of my courses, when my bills are paid, when I've got a girlfriend or a boyfriend, when I've got decent members in my room at the dorm, everything's going pretty good. But when your girlfriend leaves you, your boyfriend breaks up with you, or you don't have any money to pay your bills and so forth, it kind of makes a difference, doesn't it? That's sort of the way that it was with, with Isaiah. When things were bad, when he had lost his leader, all of a sudden he goes into the temple. Not unusual for him. He went to the temple probably every day. But this day when he went into the temple, he had an encounter with God. Look at it. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. Isaiah was dead. He wasn't on the throne anymore. 
But thank God, God wasn't dead, amen. And uh, he is still in control. He's sitting on the throne. High and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. I mean, just an amazing thing. And then we see the seraphims. Someone's mentioned this is the only place that seraphims are mentioned. But listen to it. They had six wings. With twain, they covered their face. Two of them covered their face. They're looking at God. With two of them, they covered their feet. And with two of them, they flew. And then listen to them. They didn't have any amplifiers in those days. But Evidently, it was a loud voice. And listen to those seraphims. Holy, holy, holy. The thrice holy God. Holy, holy, holy. Is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled. with his glory. Listen to him today. Look at him today. What, what did Isaiah see? He saw the Lord, the pre-incarnate Christ. He saw him. Let's look at him for a minute this morning, okay? Who is he? He's the eternal son of God. He had no beginning. He'll have no end. He is the creator and controller of the universe. We've read the last chapter. We know what will happen. It will be consummated in his time and his way. He's the prince of peace. He's the lily of the valley, the bright morning star. He's the fairest of 10,000. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the first and the last. He's the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He is the Christ, the anointed of God. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is Jesus, the Savior. He is the master teacher. He is the miracle healer. He is the one who is altogether lovely. He is the bread of life. He's the water of life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to God but by him. He's the virgin-born son of God. He's the impeccable one, the sinless one. He's perfect in every respect. From the time of his birth till the time of his death, there was no sin whatsoever. And yet the Bible tells us that who, he who had no sin became sin for us. 
that we might become the righteousness of God. He is the crucified Savior. They scourged him. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They spit in his face. They crucified him. They laid his body in a tomb. But on the third day when they went out to look for it, It wasn't there. The stone had been rolled away. Not so he could get out. But so we could see inside. It's an empty tomb. And the angels say, Why seek you living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. So here's the living... Savior. He's making intercession for us. And one day, he's coming back. Now, even in the first century, uh, some people went, well, he said he was coming back, but a lot of years have passed by. He hadn't come back yet. And, you know, Peter writing and say. Now, wait a minute. Don't, don't get too excited about that. One year with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Okay? One day. Okay. Then he said, he's not slack concerning his promises, but he's long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I read a dumb statement the other day. People write some of the dumbest things in the world. <laughs> Here's this fellow's writing. He said, hey, Christians have been looking for him all this time. He's not coming back. And I thought, you are dumb. <laughs> I don't know when he's coming, but I know he's coming. Yeah. Uh, it may not be soon. I know I hear people saying all the time, man, things are so bad, Jesus is going to come soon. Things have always been bad. So the coming of Christ may not be immediate, but thank God it is imminent. It could happen at any moment. It could happen today. He's coming. He'll be the Lord of lords and King of kings. He's wonderful. Wonderful. Look at him. He's wonderful. Thank God I can say, and if you're a born again child of God, you can say with Thomas, he is my Lord and my God. <laughs> That's personal, okay? He is my Lord and my God. What did Isaiah see? He saw the Lord. Look at him today. Get, get a fresh glimpse of the Lord. Then guess what else he saw? He saw himself. Now if you read the first five chapters of 
Isaiah. Woe is this. Woe is that. Woe. You know, he got all kind of woes. <laughs> Sound like a fellow riding a horse. Amen. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. But then all of a sudden, after seeing Jesus in all of his glory, it wasn't woe somebody else. It was woe is me. You'll never see yourself properly until you see Jesus in all of his glory. Now I'm a man of unclean lips. But he saw something else. He saw not only the power and the glory of Jesus, but he saw his grace. And then one of those seraphims took a live coal from off the altar and put it on his lips and said, your sins are purged. Thank God for the grace of God. Amen. Amen. Isaiah saw the Lord. Then he saw himself. I never will forget as a young preacher one day, I said to an older preacher, how are you doing? He said, Don, if I compare myself to you, I'm doing real well. But if I compare myself to my God, I'm not doing so well. Don't compare yourself to other people. That's, that's, that's foolish. No purpose for that. But look at God. I saw the Lord. And I, I saw myself. And then he said, I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Not only am I a sinner, but I recognize that all of the people of the world are sinners. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. We are all sinners. 7.7 billion sinners on the face of the earth today. I've often thought nobody is too bad to be saved. I mean, it doesn't matter how bad. Uh, Paul said, I'm the chief. I'm the chiefest. I'm the worst. I'm, so anybody coming after me, any of them can be saved. But some people are too good to be saved. They don't think they need to be saved. I was reading about Einstein not long ago. And uh, he was a deist but he could not believe in the personal God for some reason, I don't know why. But I thought, nobody's too ignorant to be saved, but some people are too brilliant to be saved. The whole world needs Jesus. She sang the song, people need the Lord. Doesn't matter who they are, they need the Lord. Isaiah had an encounter with God. I was pastoring in Providence, Kentucky. 3,000 people. Uh, three Southern Baptist churches. I was a Southern Baptist at that time. My eyes hadn't been opened yet, okay? <laughs> three Southern Baptist churches, Pentecostal church, Methodist church, Presbyterian church. You know, on and on. And one day I got a letter from Donald Mobley, missionary in Japan. He had read an article I had written. And then let us say in essence, dear brother says, I don't know anything about you. 
I don't know your age. I don't know your educational attainment. I don't know about your family. I don't know anything about you. But I could not help but think when I read your article, that man has a burden or a heart for missions. And he said, I'm in Akita, Japan. There are 3.5 million people in Akita, Ken. My wife and I are the only missionaries here. And then he put a question in it. What would keep you from coming to Japan? And I had an encounter with God. Now I can tell you about many others. I remember before we started the church at Sandy Newtown in Osaka. One night in my little room, I, and I, I, I hesitate to even talk about it, okay? But all of a sudden, God appeared and showed me some things that I had never seen before. I'd never seen God like that in my whole life. And I, like Isaiah, the first thing I thought about was some things that I had done, some things that I had said and so forth that I'd never made restitution for. And I, I began to confess sins that I hadn't even committed, okay? <laughs> God was so real to me. I didn't know what God was doing, but God was preparing me. He saw himself, and he saw a lost world. 7.7 billion people on the first of the faith of the earth today. At least half of them have never one time heard a clear presentation of the gospel. Paul wrote in the first century to the church at Corinth, and some have not the knowledge of God. I speak that to your shame. I wonder what he would say to us today. With 2,000 years of Christian history and all of the resources that we have the manpower, the money, the means, the technology. I wonder what he would say to us today. Isaiah had an encounter with God. He saw God. Then he saw himself. And then he saw a lost world. I've visited some 80 different countries around the world. And every time I visit a mission field and the missionary would pick me up at an airport and then we would go to where he was ministering. And we would pass city after city after city. And it, it didn't matter what country you're going to. And the missionary would say something like this. Brother says, as far as I know, there's no gospel witness here. There's no gospel witness here. There's no gospel witness here. There are hundreds of thousands of places where there is no gospel 
witness. Isaiah saw the Lord. Isaiah saw himself. Isaiah saw a lost world. Then Isaiah heard a voice. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, and I hear dumb people today say, isn't it strange that God is not calling more people with the great population explosion that we have? And I do not believe that we can blame God for not calling people. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go with me? Who will go for me? Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here's my sister, Lord, send her. <laughs> I guarantee you there's more ladies at West Coast Baptist College. They're willing to go to the mission field than there are men. Uh, here's some other people, Lord. Send them to the mission field. I got my life all planned out. Hmm? He didn't say that. By the way, this kind of a generic call. God didn't say, Isaiah, would you go for us? Isaiah, could we send you? No, no, no. He just said, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, how about me? Would you let me go? Amen. And God said, go and tell this people. Yes. I meet so many people say, well, I haven't had any real call from God and so forth about missions. And I often tell them, pick you out a mission field. Get a globe. Pick you out a mission field. Uh, do some deputation. Go to the mission field. Preach the gospel, win souls, start churches, train leaders. Even if God didn't call you, he'll forgive you, amen? That's right. <laughs> An encounter with God. He's here. And he called him. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Amen. 